Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome, everyone. Another episode of Sharp Lessons, Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. He's the professor, Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can find all of our stuff at Stadium Bets on Twitter, Nate's going to have his NFL article out, what is that, today or tomorrow? It'll be Thursday, the normal time, right. uh, but as there's a lot of COVID issues going around the NFL. What I write on Thursday morning is definitely subject to change before the kickoffs for either Thursday Night Football, there's two Saturday games this week, and then a bunch of games on Sunday. So a lot of things could change, so just be aware that uh, the bets I give out are before some information or the bets I write about are before the some of the information is finalized for the, each game. Yeah, COVID's definitely an issue. We'll be talking about that. We had uh, stadium host, digital producer Kate Constable on this week. We had Alex on last week, Kate on this week. We get uh, all the members of the roundtable uh, for the college football write-up. So we got Kate's opinions on some college bowl games, what her strategies are, what what type of game she's looking at, some of her picks. So uh, that was fun to, to talk to her. And you can find all of our picks on the roundtable. That's at WatchStadium.com. We made all of our top bowl game picks and some big underdogs as well that we like uh, for all 44 college football bowl games this season. But, Nate, we're here to talk about the NFL because we talked plenty of college football with Kate, and we'll have that interview towards the end of the show. But let's get to NFL. We do our Sharp Lesson Shortlist, which we do every week. It used to be college football and NFL, but now it is just three NFL games that we're looking at. And again, disclaimer, and we should put this disclaimer at the beginning of every show from now until the next few months at the very least. But just look at the health and safety protocol list. See who's going to be out before these games, before you make these bets, because there are going to be plenty of guys who are going to have COVID, who are going to be missing these games. And unfortunately, they may be announced like an hour or two before kickoff or right before kickoff. So just got to be aware. Scroll through Twitter, look online, see see who's in and out before you make these bets. But we'll start with Thursday night's game, Nate. Chiefs at the Chargers, Thursday night football. Chiefs laying three points. That total is at 52 for this game in Los Angeles. It's an interesting spread with Kansas City seemingly, they seem like they're playing some of their best football as of late for the most part. Um, but... If you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know how much we like the Chargers as underdogs, especially at home right now. Yeah, and the Chiefs definitely are are now, I think, the best team in the AFC. They are slight favorites to win the AFC, and it's a lot's changed in their last six games. They've won six in a row. They were three and four. Now they're nine and four. So things seem like they're riding the ship in Kansas City. They're improving offensively, I guess, playing the Raiders and their their stubborn defense uh, is a good you know, yeah. recipe to try to get back on track. And then their defense, Kansas City's defense, has been absolutely amazing, especially the first few weeks of the season. They were, they were dreadful. So um, 
to rematch from a game where the Chargers won in Kansas City in September. A lot's changed since then, though, as I mentioned, the Chiefs' defense. I think this is a situation here where COVID's a big worry about the game because the Chargers had some COVID issues last week. It's persisted into this week, and after Rashawn Slater, their offensive tackle was put on the COVID list. This line got up to Chiefs minus four. And then the Chiefs yesterday put the defensive lineman Chris Jones in on the COVID list, and now it's back to Chiefs minus three. So in terms of betting this game, I don't really have an opinion without the COVID stuff. I think this line's right. This total is probably good. I could see an argument for the over. I could see an argument for the under. So it's just going to be one where I kind of sit and watch, and unless there's a lot of changes before this Thursday night game, probably won't have a pregame bet. I, I'm leaning towards the over. It is a little high uh, at 52, but this yeah. it just seems like the type of a game that's going to go over with, with everything just being crazy right now and how wild Thursday night games can get and how untrustworthy the Chargers defense has been and how good the Chiefs offense is. Over 52 seems like it's very entirely possible. You can get maybe even both teams hitting that 30-point mark. So I, I think over 52 is a way I would lean. Again, because of COVID, I am not making any bet until maybe right before kickoff for, for these NFL games. Definitely for NBA games, but probably for these NFL games too. Uh, we got Saturday night NFL game this week. Very exciting. I love Saturday night NFL games. I love Saturday NFL games in general if there are no college football games. Uh, but we have the Colts and the Patriots, a classic rivalry in Indy this weekend. Colts minus two and a half. That totals at 45. You liked the Colts if they were an underdog. But right now they are a two and a half point favorite against the Patriots at home. Is there any way, shape or form that you're going to take the Colts as a favorite in this game? I would lean to the Colts. I don't know if I would bet them and I said to you, I think we weren't on the podcast just like before the podcast or after I said, like, if, if this line holds where the look ahead line was Patriots minus one against the Colts, I was definitely going to have Colts as a best bet this week as an underdog or as a pick em. However, the line reopens on Sunday night, pick em and quickly gets bet out to Colts minus one. And now it's all the way to two and a half. The thing is, both these teams were on by last week, so nothing has changed since the early look-ahead numbers came out, just I think when people are able to get more money down, they're betting the Colts. So all the money is on the Colts this week. It's trending towards three. Let's see if it gets there. But I think the reason why the Colts have taken a lot of money is because I think the Patriots, there's a good kind of like a sell-high opportunity on them because they are on a seven-game win streak. They are the number one team in the AFC they just came off a win against the Bills before the bye where Mac Jones only had a throw three times and the Bills shot him themselves in the foot many times. So I don't think a lot of people believe that the Patriots are that as good as maybe we, people think because they beat the Bills. And now you're asking Mac Jones to go and make plays where he's going to have to make plays in this game like he didn't in Buffalo, but he's going to have to do it in Indianapolis. And then on the other side, you have Jonathan Taylor, a very good running back, an elite running back, maybe one of the best in the league with a good offensive line who might be able to not expose the Patriots defense, but maybe kind of bring them back to earth because the Patriots have benefited from weak opponents and bad weather. So I like the Colts in this game. Not sure if I can bet it. I'm going to wait to see if this line goes down, and I'll probably have a little bit more about this game on Friday. And it's weird. The Colts at home against the spread are not very good. They're three and four yeah. 
against the spread. And, and the Patriots on the road are really good against the spread, five and one. So I, those statistics in and of themselves aren't going to make me change my opinion drastically right. on this game. But it's it's just something to be aware of um, and, and how not like thinking the Colts being at home for this game is not the advantage that maybe the point spread is giving them. Yeah, I think the thing with the Colts is it's hard to judge them from their 13-game sample size this season because they've improved greatly throughout the year. They've gotten yeah. healthier. It's after a week 14 bye that they had last week. So this is probably the healthiest they're going to be, the best shape they're in. And they are 7-6 and six this season. So this game is a lot more important for them than it is for the Patriots in terms of the AFC playoff race, especially with the Bills losing last week. The Patriots have a full two-game lead over Buffalo and the Bills come in town next week. So the Patriots could lose this game and still be in pretty decent position to win the AFC East. The Colts, this is a really important game for them, especially because the Colts play at Arizona next week. Well, they'll, they'll also be a, well, they'll be an underdog in that game. So we got to win this game at home against the top team in the AFC right now, if you're the Colts. Uh, if they do, they'll be in a great spot to make the playoffs. And I think if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a, a really tough out and no one's going to want to play the Colts, especially if it's in cold weather. I think even though they're a dome team, they're fine if they get out in cold weather and they're able to run the ball. And I still respect Frank Wright quite a bit as a coach. Yeah. They're just a grinded out team and, and they're, they're fun to watch. They're very methodical in how they, they run that squad. So I think this is going to be a fun game. I may have a best bet come Friday. I can't have a best bet now. It's just too early. You you don't know who's going to be in, who's going to be out. But Friday, I think, I'm leaning Colts right now, um, and if the line stays under a field goal, I might have to go Colts. Packers-Ravens, the third game of our short list that we wanted to highlight for this weekend. Packers laying five against Baltimore on the road. That total at 43 and a half, Nate, as we uh, look at this game. I, I Mostly fives, maybe a little five and a half yeah. across the board. We saw, I think it opened, what, around... Minus two, I'm seeing for Green Bay. Went to minus seven. Now back yeah. to minus five. So this has been a pretty movable line. So the look ahead line before week 14 games where Lamar Jackson got injured, this line was Packers minus two. And that definitely took into effect the Ravens' secondary injuries and some of that stuff. But with yep. Lamar in, it was Packers minus two. Lamar gets hurt Sunday. They reopen this game. Ravens are Packers minus seven. So assuming that I guess Lamar would be out. So that's like a five-point drop-off between Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley, who led a miraculous cover on Sunday against the Browns. And earlier this season in a game he started against the Bears, led a late drive to get the win. So Huntley is not uh, terrible, I guess. I think he's kind of like plays the same style as Lamar Jackson, where it's kind of a mobile quarterback. And if Lamar Jackson has an ankle injury, I wouldn't want part of the Ravens, even if he does go. And when John Harbaugh said that he's planning on Lamar Jackson playing, this line kind of dropped to four, four and a half, and now it's at five. So I have a feeling that the Ravens, like Lamar won't play and that this line will get back up to seven, maybe seven and a half. I think a lot of people will like the matchup idea of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams against a Ravens secondary who is very banged up and we're kind of struggling anyway. However, if that line gets to over a touchdown, I think I'd have to consider the Ravens plus seven or better with Tyler Huntley. 
just because I don't think the drop off is enough, especially because or is war- the drop off is warranted because Lamar Jackson hasn't been great from like the middle portion of the season on. So I'm kind of interested in the Ravens, but if Lamar Jackson starts, I will want no part of the Ravens because if Jackson isn't able to use his legs, then he's not going to have success as a pocket passer. Yeah, I like the touchdown underdog thought process. And I know not having Lamar is huge, but if anyone's going to be able to overcome being underdogs of a touchdown or more, I think it's going to be the Ravens this season, simply because of everything they've had to face this year injury-wise. This is a team that has had probably the most experience this year overcoming injury issues as any team in the NFL. So if you're going to get them as a touchdown or more underdog, I think you just almost have to take that on principle with with how good they have shown they could be with injuries, even without Lamar Jackson. Exactly. I think it just like would be a small bet um, just for me at that number because this is quite a brutal spot for the Ravens because they played the Browns at home and they played the Steelers on the road. Then they played the Browns on the road last week. Next week, they're on the road against the Bengals. And then they go and I think they're hosting the Rams or playing against the Rams and they close with a division game uh hosting the Steelers, I think. I think they still play the Steelers. I don't know. The, it's a really brutal slate for the Ravens, and the way they're trending right now, they're in danger of missing the playoffs. And even though I think they'll probably lose this game, especially if Huntley starts, if you're mm-hmm. getting plus seven, I'd have to at least value bet Baltimore. Let's do some situations of the week. What's the situation? Uh, not college football situations, unfortunately, but we got no. some NFL situations. Three teams. Let's start with the hangover game. Lousy hangover. And that is going to one Los Angeles Rams football team, a team that has just recently been hit by COVID yeah. issues. Uh, Odell Beckham, and they had to close their practice facility, working remotely on Tuesday and Wednesday because of COVID issues, completely shutting down the team operations. They've got a hangover game from this past weekend. And not only that, but they've had to deal with a bunch of COVID issues this week. Yeah, so I kind of want to talk about this game, just throwing out the COVID issues and, and what the number was before that. And it was there was a lot of places. It was Rams minus six and a half. Or minus seven. And the reason this is a hangover game is because they're just coming off a huge win. Their best performance, I'd say, since week three against the Buccaneers, where they beat the Cardinals in prime time. And even though the division race still, there's work to be done, at least they have a shot at winning the NFC West, now pulling one game behind Arizona. So that was a huge game for the Rams. So even without the COVID stuff, I thought this would be a good opportunity to fade the Rams against the Seattle Seahawks team. That has two straight wins, and they're only one game back of the seventh seed. And looking ahead of Seattle's schedule, week 16, they play the Bears. Week 17, they play the Lions, both in Seattle. So if you win this game, then there's a real shot that you're at least playing until week 18 with a shot to make the playoffs. So I kind of like the situation for Seattle, as long with fading the Rams off their probably their best performance in nearly three months. The only problem is we get this COVID news with the Rams. They shut down the team facility and the line plummets. And now we're looking at Rams as low as four and a half right now. So I'm not going to tell people go out and bet the Seahawks right now at four and a half when it was seven. And maybe there's some positive COVID news for the Rams as the week goes on. This line ticks up back to like six. But I just something to be aware of that the Rams would have been fade material for me this week and 
unfortunately, the not going to get the number we wanted, most likely, unless something drastically changes. We got the Cardinals as our sandwich game. Sandwich. And that is because, of course, we looked at their schedule from last week and they lost to the Rams. They play the Lions this week and then they go on and play the Colts in a Saturday night football game on Christmas night. So they play the Lions this Sunday. <laughs> that line uh, right now is 13 and a half. 13, 13 and a half. Could be yeah. one of those classic games where you're like, ah, oh, they got the Colts. They're coming off a bad loss. Who knows how they played Detroit this weekend in Detroit, a team that has honestly almost literally nothing to lose. Yeah, I think the reason I put this as the sandwich is not necessarily like the Colts are a, a team they're going to be looking ahead towards, but you played a Monday night game. Now you play a Sunday afternoon game, and then your next game is Saturday night. So you're it's a road game at well, – we, we had Kate on, and I guess, mound time. 10 a.m. mound <laughs> – or yeah. 11 a.m. mound time. Because Arizona's weird. Yeah, but six days prior, you played a Monday night football game, the whole country watching. Six days after, you'll have a short week to prepare for another game, the whole country will be watching because it's a standalone game on Saturday night. And now you have a Lions team that is definitely beaten, battered. And, I mean, on Saturday night, there were reports that they might be able to field a full roster to get over the uh, – minimum of 48 players so maybe they get a little bit healthier this week and we've seen so many times this year where it's kind of a, a zigzag with the lions i know they won't covered a lot of games since their bye week but there's a lot of times where the line is kind of close not like last week against the broncos it closed double digits but they just were so shorthanded but when you're giving this detroit team a lot of points and they're relatively healthy or not have a flu bug that goes around the locker room where it kind of changes practice plans all week, that maybe this is a spot to go back to the Lions and, and fade the Cardinals between uh, two primetime games. Uh, that was one that was Monday night and then one coming up in week 16. They certainly didn't inspire any confidence in me. And I texted you about how yeah. they just seemed, they seemed to fade. Kyler Murray did not seem up to the task of playing in a primetime game in front of the country. He just, he did not look prepared. The offensive line didn't look great. Murray just couldn't do his, his normal thing that he does, improvisation. And he was throwing really, really bad passes that were getting picked off or incomplete. It just, he did not look good. And I don't know if that's going to be replicated on Saturday night next week against the Colts, if that's like an issue for this Cardinals team playing in prime time, or if maybe they're going to fix it against the Lions and they're going to get an easy opponent and be able to fix whatever they think is wrong and then finally be ready for the Colts on Saturday night. I don't know. We'll have to see how they play on, on Sunday against the Lions to really make heads or tails of that one. One more thing about the Cardinals, a really odd thing about them this season. They are 3-3 three and three at home, and I believe – the only wins they had was like that Vikings win in week two where the Vikings missed a short field goal. They beat Trey Lance in the 49ers in a game where Arizona's offense really did nothing and relied on their defense. And their only other win was against the Houston Texans. So really weird how the Cardinals have struggled at home, 3-3. Three and three, But they're 7-0 and oh on the road, and all seven of their wins are by 10 points or more. So just a really odd thing. That might yeah. be kind of what holds me back about betting uh, on the Lions as the Cardinals have just been so good on the road and maybe they take their frustration from Monday night out on Detroit. But uh, definitely week 16, if I, I'd be looking towards the Colts um, in the underdog role against Arizona just because Arizona has struggled in some of these primetime games, but especially have struggled in Glendale. 
Uh, finally, the Buffalo Bills. We have to talk about the Bills because they are having a possible look-ahead spot this weekend. Yeah. Where they play the Panthers at home. But then next week, Nate, or in two weekends, I guess, December 26th, they play the New England Patriots. Team they're trying to catch up in that AFC standings, too. So uh, this is one of those spots where... It's weird, right? Because they've lost three of their last three of their last four games. They're in a tough spot. People are starting to doubt this team, and they were Super Bowl favorites to start the year, and now they've really kind of uh, blown a tire here to end the season. So they're going to have to do something against the Panthers, but they know that in the coming week after that they have the Patriots. Yeah, I I don't know if I should have put this on because they're coming off a loss and. I don't know. I just wanted to have something for the look ahead. And obviously this probably is more of a sandwich because they're coming off a big game against the Bills where they lost. But they're playing the Patriots next week. So I think maybe if the Bills beat the Bucks, ended up coming back and winning, this would have been a really good spot to fade Buffalo. I still think Buffalo is going to win, and I don't have much confidence in the quarterback tandem of Cam Newton and P.J. Walker. But 11 points is a lot, especially if Josh Allen, who's day-to-day with a, a foot injury, isn't 100% and it limits his running. So I think this is maybe a spot to look towards fading the Buffalo Bills with a big game against the Patriots on deck. Not sure if I'm going to do it because I don't have trust in the Panthers. And, I mean, maybe Josh Allen doesn't play and it's Mitch Trubisky and we can bet the Bills at, like, minus yeah. under a touchdown. Like, that would honestly interest me more than – betting on josh allen's bills at double digits so let's see what happens with this game allen's status but just kind of a situational spot that's kind of tough for the bills at this time of year they definitely need to win this game if they lose any of these home games that they have towards the end of the year because they still host the falcons and jets end the year so there's still a path to the playoffs but i just don't know if they're going to win by margin all right let's talk some bets out there's only one thing i want you fellas to do what's that Talk me out of it. Let's let's look at a couple teams that you wanted to talk out for Sunday and at least yeah. maybe prepare to make them a best bet on Friday. Uh, let's look at – you want to look at the Saints, Nate. Is that the team you want to look at for – looks like what they're playing on uh, Sunday night. Yep. New Orleans, Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay is seemingly looking like the best team in football right now other than maybe the Chiefs. Um, minus 11. Tampa Bay is the favorite at yeah. home against New Orleans. That total 47. So are, are you looking at this spread and thinking Tampa Bay's had it too good for too long? It's time for the Saints to come in and maybe cover this game. A little bit. I think this is kind of the maybe the kitchen sink game for the Saints where they finally break that five-game losing streak. They get Alvin Kamara back. They get their left tackle, Teron Armstead, back. Maybe they get their other tackle back this week, Ryan Ramschek. But some other players came back healthier. So I think – the Saints are being priced like the team that was really banged up throughout the month of November. Now they're a little bit more healthy. Taysom Hill looked fine last week. No uh, no worry about the mallet finger situation that he may have had. Mm-hmm. And now the Bucks. I mean, they're in a pretty good spot right now. I think that they're still going to win this game. But with the Saints right now at 6-7, and seven, they have everything to play for. They really need this game. I think I'd, we're getting an all-in effort from the Saints in this game, and it's too many points to give a Sean Payne team, especially since the Saints, even though they did lose to the Buccaneers in the playoff last year, their other three regular season meetings against Tom Brady, they've won. Uh, the, the Saints closed as a three-and-a-half-point underdog on October 31st against the Buccaneers in New Orleans with Jameis Winston starting at quarterback. 
Now we're at double digits. I think that's too big of adjustment, even though that Taysom Hill is at quarterback and the Saints have gone through a lot of injuries. If the Saints are healthy, I really like them in this game to at least keep it within uh, single digits. Broncos is that other team that you wanted to yeah. take a look at. What, what about the Broncos are you thinking of, of taking? Because they play the Bengals. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Bengals. And the Bengals have been one of those weird teams, right, where people have really high hopes for them and they don't really do anything. And then when they're when they're not favored or when people don't think they're going to do anything, that's when they show up and they play really well. So I, I don't really know how to handicap this Bengals team, to be honest. And Denver I've kind of stayed away from all season just because I don't trust them at all to really do anything when I need them to do anything. So I, I, I don't have a lot of experience betting Denver. Cincy, though, has been very difficult to handicap. Yeah, I just wanted to bring this up because it's kind of similar to my thoughts on Patriots-Colts where when if you look at the look-ahead lines for the game, or when it was the Bengals were actually favored by three uh, in this game at Denver, I would have really liked the Broncos catching three. Mm-hmm. And the Bengals, they lose the 49ers in overtime, even though the 49ers took a lot of money all week, and part of that may have been because of Joe Burrow's finger injury. And then last week, the Broncos, obviously the line moved up because of the Lions' absences, and they won pretty handily against Detroit, but I wouldn't put too much stock into it. But when the line reopened on Sunday evening, it was Broncos a favorite by one, and that line's kind of been teetering back from one to two. It was one and a half this morning, but right before we started recording, the line moved out to Broncos minus two and a half, so... I'm kind of curious about why that happened. Maybe the Bengals have some COVID issues that I don't know about or more money's just coming in on Denver. But I guess at this point I wouldn't bet on Denver, but it's just a game I wanted to bring up where I would have liked the Broncos a lot if they were an underdog in this game. But the betting market is uh, is saying otherwise and or saying kind of agreeing with my thought that they should be a favorite in this game. I think the Bengals at plus three, a lot of people are going to gravitate towards, but I, I don't know. I, I I think the matchup of Vic Fangio, a very good defensive mind against Zach Taylor, is just a complete mismatch, and that the Broncos secondary is going to have all the answers to stop Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. So I, I kind of like the matchup here for Denver. I think the prices maybe got all, all out of the way or a little bit uh, away from us right now to bet on Denver, but let's see if it kind of comes back and maybe get a cheap Broncos money line before Sunday. Yeah, I I think I probably have a little more confidence in the Bengals against Fangio than you do, but I would love for this to get to plus three before I bet the Bengals, to be quite honest. That that two and a half. It looks like it's getting there. Is it it, it moving? I mean, it moved today where it was as low as this morning – Broncos minus one, and now it's Broncos minus two and a half, minus one twenty. So it's like on the verge of three. And I don't. There's so much news going on in sports where I'm not sure if the Bengals had some sort of COVID thing or bad injury report, but we'll see more. Um, And I think maybe the players could bail out uh, Zach Taylor, but I I watched a good amount of that 49ers game, and he's just he's just dreadful. He's running the ball with Samaj P. Ryan on like third and three, and then he gets two yards and he punts on fourth and inches and trailing and settling for 26-yard field goals on fourth and two. Like, I can't believe people entertain the idea of him being a coach of the year candidate just a couple weeks ago. So 
Uh, let's see what happens with this line. Well, I'm sure we'll revisit this on Friday and probably a lot of games. We'll get a clearer picture. And just another game I want to bring up, too. Um, if you haven't followed the news, a lot of issues with the Cleveland Browns in terms of COVID and Baker Mayfield um, is on the COVID list, got placed on it on Wednesday morning. And because of that, the Browns, who at one point on Monday were as high as a, a six-and-a-half, six-point favorite, now Vegas is a one-point favorite in Cleveland because of all the COVID concerns and players yeah. on the COVID list for the Browns. So not really sure what to make of that game. Maybe another thing we'll touch on Friday when that line settles. A lot of this, it's going to change. We're going to record again in, what, 48 hours? And yeah. so much is going to change by then. It's Another one, the Eagles now, as we're recording, up to minus seven against Washington. That look-ahead line was Eagles minus two and a half. It reopens three, quickly gets bet up to four and a half for the Eagles. And now a big wave of money came in today. As I know Washington has a lot of COVID issues, especially uh, within their defensive line, where literally like every person, player on the defensive line has COVID. And that's not a good uh, good matchup for Washington when they're playing a Eagles team that has become a run-heavy team over the last six games or so, coming off a bye week. So, um, yeah, just a lot of COVID stuff, a lot of line moves. I think my recommendation would be if you can try to, like, figure out maybe teams that are trending towards having a COVID issue, betting against them. Um, if you do bet the NFL early, just know that there could be some some – I guess, variants where sometimes you're going to be on the good side of COVID news. Sometimes you're going to be on the bad side of COVID news. It'll work both ways. But if you're really like risk adverse and worried about this stuff, then wait probably closer to game day. Just know that you're probably going to miss out on some bad numbers if you wait because it's hard to beat closing NFL lines. It really is amazing that total for Vegas and Cleveland has just been dropping. It's 38 and a half. Right. 38 and, and a half. And, and it was, was that? two days ago, it was like 42 and a half. 43. Yeah, and yeah. open 40. Like, that's why 38 and a half. Yeah. I mean, they they don't have any offensive linemen. And uh, or they are down two offensive linemen. They're down Kareem Hunt, obviously down Baker Mayfield. It's it's not a good, good situation for Cleveland, especially since no. it looked like there was a glimmer of hope for them in the AFC North after they beat Baltimore. Uh, Lamar gets hurt. The Bengals lose. The Steelers lost last Thursday. Like they were in a uh, became in a decent position to win that division, and now that's a really tough game this week given the circumstances. And then next week they go to Green Bay on Christmas. So um, not really sure what to say other than that's just kind of the uh, the variance of this NFL season. Yeah, that's that's what you're gonna get. Thirty eight and a half, and it's probably gonna go a little bit lower too with with all this news coming along. Let's go to our interview with Kate Constable, talking everything college football. Um, then we'll finish out the show. So here's Kate. All right, we want to welcome Kate Constable, stadium host and digital producer, onto the podcast to talk even more college football, college football bowl games. Kate, how you doing? Hi, guys. I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How's the college season? How did, I guess, in past tense, the season go for you betting-wise? It was 
up and down. I'll say that. I feel like I started off the season really strong and um, towards the middle, kind of towards the end, dipped a little. And then these last two weeks of the season weren't bad, but uh, it was definitely an up and down ride for me this year. Yeah, yeah I feel the, that way. The feel the same way. It was really good early on. I know week one, we all had UCLA plus the yep. points as a home underdog against an LSU team that was dealing with distractions and we were riding high and then it just seemed like, I don't know, something in October really struggled with. I know we talked about that with Alex last week, but now time for bowl games. And just like the UCLA game in week one, where all three of us are on Notre Dame and promise we didn't consult each other about this <laughs> pick. I wrote mine up on Monday and then you guys sent me your picks and I was like, oh, well, I hope uh, we all have a good New Year's Day when Notre Dame takes on Oklahoma State. So, I mean, you can read our article on watchdame.com, the roundtable, but you want to just kind of go over for the people who haven't read it yet why you like Notre Dame on January 1st against Oklahoma State. Yes. Yeah, I was surprised when I opened the stadium article this morning and saw all three of us, our very first pick was Notre Dame. But <laughs> I just really like this one because it's a big motivational spot for Notre Dame. And that's a lot of what these bowl games are, is who's coming in with more motivation and who really wants to finish up their season strong. And after Brian Kelly, you know, left and he's fully immersed in LSU land and territory and he's got the accent, he's bleeding purple and yellow already. Um, <laughs> that just, I don't know that if I were a Notre Dame player, I would be a little pissed off about all of that. Um, but they love their new, their new head coach, which was the defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman. And so the team's really rallied around him. Uh, they're excited that he's the head coach and I could see them wanting to come out and get this win, um, for him to earn his first one as a head coach. And then if you look on the other side, Oklahoma State, they thought they were going to be in the college football playoff and all of a sudden they lose to Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. And those plans are derailed. So this is kind of a letdown spot for the Cowboys for me, whereas Notre Dame, it's more of a uh, upbeat motivational spot. And then on Notre Dame side, too, their play callers are, are still the same. Just because Brian Kelly left, I mean, Tommy Reese is the offensive coordinator. He's still calling plays. Um, he did all season. And Marcus Freeman on the defensive end, I don't know what that role will necessarily look like with him as the head coach fully now. Um in this game, but both of those coordinators are still there. So I don't see, you know, their game plan or, or much changing on that end. So I like Notre Dame to cover too. Yeah. Sometimes when a, a team loses a, a coach to another job, there's kind of a, maybe a substitute teacher effect where the players don't really try hard for the interim coach. But in this case, the interim coach for the bowl game is already the head coach. Right. So I guess he's not even the interim. And then the players were super excited about that news. And I think they want to prove something to Brian Kelly that Brian Kelly in his LSU press conference said he came there to win a national championship, which kind of makes it seem like he couldn't win a national mm -hmm. title in South Bend. So I think there's a lot of good things there. And then another note, something that's kind of broke a few days ago, Oklahoma State, their defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, is leaving for the same role as Ohio State, and he won't coach the game. And Oklahoma State was really – kind of relied on their defense. You think about old Oklahoma State teams, and it was run and gun, a lot of offense, and Jim Knowles kind of turned that team and changed the identity, and he won't be coaching in that game. So really like Notre Dame. I think eventually this number is going to go a little bit higher, a field goal or more, but right now minus two available everywhere. So I'd grab the Fighting Irish if you can. Yeah, I thought um, Knowles was going to coach, so that makes me like this even more, knowing that he's going to be yeah. out for this game. 
I think there were some questions if he would or not, but he's he's starting a new job at Ohio State on January 2nd. But unless he changes his mind and is allowed to, um, he's not going to coach that game. I have a feeling that if he is able to help out Ohio State in the recruiting efforts, that he's doing that today. Now it's National Signing Day as we as we talk right now. All right, Kate, college football playoff time. You look at those two games. You made a bet in the round table again, watchstadium.com, uh, and one of those games for the Michigan Georgia game. So I guess start with that one. Why do you like the under in Michigan Georgia? And then do you like any other sides? Are you leaning towards any other way in uh, the college football playoff games? Yeah, so I really like the under in this one just because these two teams all season, the storyline with both of these has been their defense and how much pride they have on the defensive end. And I mean, Georgia prior to the SEC championship game against Alabama held opponents to a touchdown or less in every game but four. That doesn't happen all that often. So this Georgia defense is is something that we haven't seen in recent years up to that Alabama game. And then all of a sudden the Tide puts up 41 points on them. That's embarrassing. So I see them coming out wanting to reestablish, you know, remind the country what they're really good at, and that's the defensive end. Um, and then Michigan, the same way. I mean, Michigan is where they are, I believe, more so that their defense than their offense. I think their offense has been a little streaky this year. Um, and Georgia doesn't like to throw the ball. They much prefer to keep it on the ground, rely on their run game, and Michigan has a great rush defense. They're only allowing 3.5 yards per carry. uh, Aiden Hutchinson, absolute freak. He might be the number one pick. I mean, he's unbelievable. And so I think this is going to be a very slow-paced, kind of grind-it-out type game where the outcome is really going to be relying heavily on both of these teams' defense. So I like the under 44.5, I believe it's still at right now. I don't necessarily have a side in this one. I, I think I'll lean more towards Georgia, but I kind of I, I think I might just stay away from that and, and stick with the total on this one. If you, since you like the under and you kind of like Georgia minus a seven and a half right now, I think I think some places it's going up. I can see it going down. But would you consider maybe Michigan team total under two with the idea that if Michigan can't throw and or can't run, that they're going to have trouble throwing and. Yeah, or Georgia will really just bury them and not let them score at all. Yes, for sure. When when you see a total sitting around a number like this, when a team when the spread is is fairly significant, I mean, over a touchdown, then I I always think it's a good idea to at least take a look at the team total for the other team because that tells me that this game's going to be fairly low scoring, but it's not going to be close. Um, and therefore, the losing team total, who I think is going to lose, um. Is, is probably a pretty smart play most of the time. So, yes, I definitely will look at a Michigan team total. How about the other game? The uh, It's the first playoff game of the day, the first semifinal, Alabama-Cincinnati. Alabama, 13.5-point favorite. Total is stayed steady at 58, uh, 58.5 at some spots. So anything in that game uh, between Alabama and Cincinnati? The total confused me a little. I, I don't – 58 just seems like an odd number. Um too so, high or too low? Too low. But then that, that, that's telling me that basically Alabama is going to run this score up and Cincinnati's not going to get on the board a whole lot. But this is this Cincinnati defense is, again, one of the better defenses that Alabama is going to face this season. Second in pass defense, third in red zone defense, fourth in scoring defense. But we also saw what Georgia's defense did against Alabama, yeah. and that wasn't much. So – I, I always 
I would love, love, love to see Cincinnati win this game um, just for the pure storyline. But I just don't see how you can bet against a Nick Saban coach team, Heisman winning quarterback. Uh, I just think that this is Alabama through and through. But I would really, really like to see Cincinnati at least keep this one close and competitive. Yeah, makes sense. It's hard for me to see Alabama play so well and then just be like, ah, they're not going to play great after showing the country what everyone kind of expected them to be. They don't usually regress like that under Nick Saban where they play really well and then they just stink it up the next game, especially with the stakes like this. Yeah, And they didn't have a great ending to their season either. I mean, outside that SEC championship game, they barely squeaked out a win in the final Um was that against Auburn, that, that final one in overtime? I mean, it's not like they've been blowing teams out, but they finally saw what they can are actually capable of against Georgia, and so I see that being carried through to this game. And if, if the game was played, like, this Saturday, where they only had two weeks off and this was, like, an 18 playoff or something or 12 teams, I think I'd like Cincinnati plus the points. But giving Nick Saban four weeks to prepare, mm-hmm. I mean, the history has shown that Alabama has played Washington and Michigan State and o- Kyler Murray's Oklahoma – and Notre Dame last year, and it ends up being Alabama covering, and the game usually stays under the total because their defense is really locked in because they have a month to prepare for the opposing offense. So I'm afraid that it's going to be not a very entertaining game, and it's going to be similar to a lot of those games that we've seen under Saban's Alabama, especially because I could see them just kind of wanting to run the ball, grind it out, especially down one of their receivers, John Mechie. Um, not as good of an offense as maybe past years, especially last year's team, but I could still see the defense really causing a lot of issues to a Cincinnati de- offense that hasn't seen a defense like that all season. And it will, it's going to stink if Alabama blows them out because there goes the opportunity for a non-Power 5 school to ever get in the playoff again. I think. Yes, <laughs> yes. that's, that's definitely going to be the narrative. Yeah, then it's going to be so hard for a uh, non-Power 5 to ever get back in that top four. Which is dumb because the same thing is going to happen to Michigan State and Washington. And yep. even Oklahoma's a prestigious program they are, the issue is they just never could get o- over the hump in the semifinal. Uh, one game that you wrote about, and it's your kind of big money line play, and I really like the idea here. And it has nothing to do with the like on-field uh handicap for this game but it's just the situation of wisconsin arizona wisconsin's about a seven point favorite so sorry arizona state and you like arizona state plus 220 on the money line right now and one of the reasons you gave is kind of the las vegas potential distractions motivation and the more i was thinking about it it makes sense because if you're an arizona state kid you probably go to vegas (laughs) maybe like every other month or something. Mm-hmm. If you're for, from Wisconsin and you're going on a New Year's Eve trip, Vegas might be a little bit of a distraction. So if you kind of want to expand on that game where you like the Sun Devils, uh, throw the points out the window against Wisconsin on December 30th. Yeah, this is another game similar to the Notre game. Um, the way I looked at this one is is more motivational. And again, like you said, a lot of the off the field, throw away the X's and O's. And this is like Wisconsin – had hopes of making it to the Big Ten championship game. They lose to Minnesota in the final game of the year. They had won seven straight prior to that. You're going to lose to the Gophers to blow a chance at playing in the Big Ten championship game. So they're coming into this one deflated. Like you said, Arizona State, not far from Vegas. That's just a quick, uh, I think it's about four hours uh, north of of, of uh, Tempe. 
And so these these players likely are familiar with the Vegas scene, and it's not something that's new to them or special or exciting where, you know, you got a bunch of Wisconsin kids taking a four-and-a-half-hour flight over to uh, Las Vegas. All of a sudden they have a couple <laughs> nights to explore, enjoy the scenery, the lights, all of that. And that's not to say they're going to be out till four in the morning and, you know, doing all that stuff, maybe. But um, I just think the focus will be – there for Arizona State in a way that it won't be for Wisconsin. It's a close ride over for Arizona State, more of a home game feel in terms of fans traveling and what that atmosphere is going to be like. And then you have Herm Edwards as a coach, and he's stepped up in big spots before. I mean, his first two years at Arizona State had five wins over ranked opponents, and then add in the fact that he's this motivational speaker. Imagine the pep talk he's given these guys before the game. Um, so I, I just really like the spot that Arizona State is in. Granted, Wisconsin on, on field is probably a little bit better. I mean, clearly it is with where this line is at, and, and Wisconsin's defense has been fantastic all year. But when you look at all of the off-field factors that go into capping games, I, I like where Arizona State's at with this one. I remember past Las Vegas Bowls where you gave an edge to uh... – when BYU was involved and you give an edge to BYU because you knew the, the kids there weren't going oh, yeah. to be distracted by any of the, the gambling or drinking and they'd play yeah. a team from uh, not the West Coast and they were just excited to be in Vegas and they'd go out partying. So I think there's definitely something to that. Although I will say, I, you mentioned about Arizona State fans, going to be a lot of them there. I also think there'll be a lot of Wisconsin fans because – Christmas week, New Year's week, if you're from Wisconsin, you want to get the hell out of that bad weather <laughs> up in Wisconsin, and what better way to support your Badgers in Las Vegas? So I think it'll be naturally kind of an interesting fan dynamic there, and I can see uh, a lot of those fans having uh, a lot of drinks before they go into that game, especially because I believe it's a, a late-night game or Vegas time, like 7.30, so that should be actually just a, a fun game to watch to see the people, and if you're in Vegas, definitely uh, a good time to be there. And Big Ten fans do travel good, so that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, out of all conferences, the Big Ten is very good at supporting their teams on the road. For uh, sure. Any other bowl games that you like? Um, I I like this Tennessee-Purdue game. I like the over in this one. And these both of these teams very fast-paced. Tennessee's the fastest-paced team in college football this season. So um, Purdue can't run the ball to save their life. They're going to rely heavily on the pass game, and Tennessee's secondary allowed 7.1 yards per pass attempt this season, so they're not great. Uh, Purdue will be without their wide receiver, David Bell. Uh, he's sitting this one out to enter the draft, so I don't think that's really going to change the game drastically, but I think as long as the weather is nice on this day in Nashville, I think these two teams put up a ton of points, and this goes over uh, 63. I tend to think the overs will hit more often in bowl games. I don't know if that's just a feeling I have or if that is a proven fact or trend um, outside of the playoff games, because obviously I'm taking the under in the um, Georgia-Michigan game. But I think some of these other games, offense typically prevails. Yeah, I said that about the Cheez-It Bowl yeah. <laughs> over in Iowa State-Clemson. It's always chaos in the Cheez-It Bowl. Oh, yeah. I think, there, I think there's some truth to that. I know that in the Bahamas Bowl, which is, I think, the third, first bowl game on Friday and why we published the article early, the uh, it's a little bit of a more of a the X factor there is the wind. It gets really windy down there. 
And I, I think that's a good mindset that the overs might have a little bit of, you know, favorite the over just because every game other than the semifinals are an exhibition, especially like the later bowl games where teams have more time to kind of prepare and maybe there's also less focus from the defensive end. So kind of like that idea. And you mentioned that uh, David Bell will not play for Purdue, but they do have some other decent receivers and Aiden O'Connell, their quarterback is returning to school. So that's big that to know that he will be playing in that game against Tennessee, which you mentioned very fast paced and they're very excited to be in a bowl game because before the year, their win total, I believe, was five and a half, maybe six. And they have a new head coach and they're going to be playing in Nashville, where there's a ton of Tennessee fans. So kind of like the idea there. Uh, let's finish off. And we're talking about college football this time. But is there any other thoughts you have on the sports going on, NBA, NFL, anything else? And where can we find some of your other work that you do outside of stadium? Yeah, NFL has been crazy lately, so I have kind of stayed away from the NFL. Uh, that's just I, – I, I just can't figure it out week to week what's going on. And, and with all these new COVID things, that's been difficult. And um, I've been doing some work within the NBA. I uh, host a show for BetUS. It airs on YouTube every day at uh, 4 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can find it on the BetUS NBA channel. And so I've been capping a lot of those games, paying attention there. That, again, is also going to be really difficult this next week with all the COVID outbreaks that teams are having. Um, that's going to be tricky to need to keep an eye on, especially um, betting games early is going to be tough. Probably going to want to wait until right before tip-off for the final injury report or who's out. Um, within the NBA this season, unders have been very um, uh, prevalent. Unders have, have been the majority. I think they hit in the first three or four weeks at about 63%. And now the market's finally adjusting a little and, and overs are starting to hit a little bit more. But so that's been fun to, uh, you know, follow the NBA just really closely this last month or so of the season. Um, and look forward to, yeah, continuing to do that. So doing some stuff there over at BetUS and then also at Stadium, just posting, um, news updates and, uh, serving as the digital host for, uh, just updates around all sorts of leagues and, and sports in general. And that uh, gets posted on the stadium YouTube, stadium YouTube, same Twitter channel. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Kate, for joining us. Thank you for contributing all year to the round table. It was a big help and great to have your analysis. And uh, thanks for taking some time to talk about bowl games. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for letting me um, write about it all season. All right, we appreciate Kate joining us, talking college football, explaining her, her uh, Notre Dame minus two bets, along with all of our Notre Dame minus two bets. I think we are uh, very confident that the Irish can pull it out against Oklahoma State on New Year's Day, Nate. Yeah, I'll be very uh, nervous at <laughs> noon, waking up probably a little bit later on January 1st and, and watching Notre Dame. Uh, at least we have a few weeks to, to get there, but I really do think that line is going to close over three unless there's yeah. covid for notre dame or, or opt-outs for notre dame but i think there'll be a a bought-in effort from the fighting irish with marcus freeman now on the sideline that'll do it for us this uh, today not this week we'll be back on friday uh so we'll be back friday with all of our picks uh, we'll be approaching this weekend with plenty of caution because of all the COVID issues, but we're going to try to make some best bets for the weekend uh, for some of these NFL games. And then maybe some NBA games. That's even more volatile in terms of COVID issues because you got guys being scratched like 30 minutes before tip-off. So 
I'll try my best to try to give some NBA best bets if I can on Friday. But you got to work with what you got with all the news. So hopefully we don't have too many issues with COVID this weekend. But we'll be back Friday, best bets day, and uh, we'll see you then. 